0: Storm Bowling Products, the bowler's company, presents the Collegiate Spotlight with Coach K. Storm's technical director, Steve Klimkin, also known as Coach K, and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce you to a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight is Carolyn Dorn-Ballard. Carolyn bowled collegiately at West Texas State University. Carolyn is a member of the USBC Hall of Fame. Carolyn, I want to thank you for joining myself and Coach K today. Hi, how
1: are you? I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, great. So I thought we would bring you on to discuss a little bit of stuff, you know, going back to your days at West Texas University, West Texas State University, and then also some of the stuff currently. So let's begin with your time at West Let's begin with your time at West Texas State University. What are some memories that still stick out in your mind? I mean, me and Steve were talking beforehand. You were on a really solid team with your uh, your sister and then uh, uh, Tammy Turner, who we had on earlier. So what's memories stick out to you regarding your bowling in college?
1: Well, there's actually a couple of things. Um, You know, number one, it was the first time I was really away from home. So uh, I really didn't know how I would adapt. um, But thank God all went well. Um, But I think one of the biggest um, things that I remember about college bowling is it was more about the team and the chemistry than it was about sheer talent. And what I mean about that is we won two national team championships, and if you were to look at the teams that we bowled against, Lincoln and San Jose State and Wichita State, if you were to really look at them... On paper, they probably had more sheer talent, but I think our team was the epitome of the true team concept. And what I meant by that was we had not we had maybe one standout bowler, but everybody was on the same uh, playing field. So we played for each other. It wasn't as if there was one or two standouts, and they were awesome, and they held the team up all the time. It, we really, truly bowled as a full team. We were steady eddies is how I'd like to call it. We were always in the hunt. We were great spare shooters. Our strike percentage was probably a lot lower than some of the other teams. But basically, we played as a team. There wasn't really that one, that one individual that was always, always the top person. And I think that is one of the greatest aspects of team bowling is there really doesn't have to be a star to make a great team. It really is about, you know, the chemistry and playing off of each other and building that strong team, you know, together instead of by one.
2: Now I have to ask you too, Carolyn, was that a conscious effort to actually, you know, focus on the team or did you, was it just kind of the chemistry that you had where you blended together so well and it just created a good team atmosphere? Or did you did you consciously say, hey, you know what, we're going to be the best team bowlers there are in college bowling?
1: i I. I think it's a little bit of both. I think because people didn't think we were the best, it motivates you to prove them wrong, which I've lived by that my whole entire life because I just love when people tell me I can't do something. But I do think, you know, we heard so much about all these other great teams um, that it did motivate us to step our games up a notch. Yet on the other hand, we did make sure that off the lane, our chemistry and our friendships did not interfere. You know, I mean, say, hey, look, it is what it is. You know, you're on a team, you have some squabbles here and there. But once we stepped up on the lanes at practice or get as we were getting ready for a tournament, everything else was put aside and it was about the team atmosphere and what our intended goal was. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think it was a little motivation in the fact of. I don't think people thought we were ever the strongest team, but we knew what we could do if we put our minds to it. And we worked really hard at it. I mean, people, I'm not sure people realize, um, you know, people strike a lot today compared to the old days. Uh, There were many, many, many hours of practice put in. And I take a lot of pride in that because everyone practiced. It wasn't just one person.
0: So, Carolyn, you are out at the USBC Queens right now in Reno. What has the mood been like this week among all the competitors out there?
1: Oh, it's been pretty good. Uh, you know, this is one of those uh, tournaments where the format's really great. I, I would love to see more women, um, especially some of our better scratch players, all this tournament. The, the format is, is excellent. Um, It wasn't extremely high scoring. In other words, when they broke down, when the scores got high, but that A squad was a little tough for everybody, no matter how you threw the ball. So I think everyone thought it was very fair. And, um, you know, there was a lot of excitement out here. There really was. Because, you know, we don't have a lot of women's events now where we can get together and actually compete against each other. So when we are here, everybody's pretty excited because, like I said, you know, it's only two tournaments a year. So we, try to take advantage of
2: it and then when when you're not bowling Carolyn you're the director of coaching development there at USBC what's that what's that been like and what would you you know what would you say about the state of of coaching in our industry are you happy with where it's at do you see some big changes in the future kind of about the same or, or what's your take on it
1: well one of the things I, I, I do see is that I think a lot of the industry whether it's A grip company or a ball company, whatever it is, the the industry in itself has definitely seen how coaching can enhance the bowling business. And what I mean by that is all the way from the industry partners, like I said, you know, our our big people like the ball companies or the grip companies or shoe companies, all the way down to the actual pro shops. We we have seen a surge in people becoming certified coaches so that they can start to get more involved in the youth programs and the high school and collegiate programs. We've definitely seen a lot more people become certified at the high school and collegiate ranks, which makes me very happy because before the, um, before the Title IX, you know, a lot of these coaches for high school and collegiate teams were, you know, math teachers, science teachers. They were people who really didn't know bowling. And we have definitely seen in the last three years a surge in the fact of people taking the initiative to learn more about the sport and be able to coach it the proper way to make for a successful program. So I'm very happy with that. Um, Some of the things I'd like to see changed, I'd like to see the industry in general work more together with moving forward. Um, I think sometimes we... We tend to dwell on the negative, you know, well, that hasn't worked or this is going, you know, in this direction. And, you know, life is a fact. It just is what it is. But we need to not dwell on what's happened in the past and just keep moving forward and really focus on the positives that are making a change for this industry and grow off of them. And coaching is one of them. Uh, Like I said, the high school and collegiate ranks, not only that a lot of our industry partners have gotten more involved and have reached out to us, especially with our regional development facility program, to really start certifying coaches at the grassroots level. Well, and one
0: aspect of bowling that is growing, like you said, a lot of people focus on the negativity, but actually youth bowling and USBC, you know, sanctioning among youth is actually growing and continuing to grow. So what are some of the challenges that as the director of coaching development that you guys face? Because like you said, we're getting these people that want to bowl, but now we need to get them coached and get people trained to coach them so that they stay in the sport.
1: Right. Well, I think it's a change with the times. Um, I use this... You know, I'm going to use the example that I use all the time when I'm speaking. I just spoke at my daughter's elementary school. You know, for such a long time, uh, for example, I grew up with coaching. I mean, I my dad was my coach. The, we had certified coaches in our youth league. So, my entire life has been based around knowing that I needed coaching to get better at what I wanted to do. So... It was instilled in me in a very young age and that's what I continue to take with me as I went through the sport. There was a period of time where we lost those bowlers believing in coaching because some of those coaches retired or bowling was good so they didn't need coaching. So there's that little bit of a gap in where I think some of our our players and our youth lost out on the fact of how important Coaching is to get you to the next level if you wanted to progress through the sport. I then go, and I use my daughter as an example. She's 10 years old. She never bowls with bumpers, and she has had coaching her entire life. So she now will move on through the ranks no matter what sport she's in. She takes golf lessons, she takes tennis lessons, and she takes bowling lessons. So once again, it's changing the culture understand that as they progress through any sport, they need to continue to get that coaching to enhance their fundamentals and, you know, increase their talent level depending on where they want to go. So I think one of the things we really need to focus on is as some coaches that are maybe older don't coach as much anymore, we need to get these influx of coaches that are helping these younger students and get them continuing to coach and build the programs through USA bowling through high school bowling through this 8 for 8 program that institutes coaching so we really need to keep those people active with the youth of today so that we can rebuild that generation that understands how important coaching is
2: now you were talking about fundamentals uh, there as well, bowling fundamentals, and you know, there's some people say there's more importance uh, on you know the mental game versus the physical game versus understanding your equipment or strategy on playing lanes. You know, what do you think is your biggest asset? What's allowed you to to reach a Hall of Fame, you know, type of level?
1: I think I think there were there were really two factors. Um, one, obviously, if anybody who's seen me bowl, my game was never you know, it, it was pretty fundamentally sound. It was very simple. My game was very simple. I didn't really do anything, you know, that went out of whack very easily. So I do think having very good fundamentals and, and a basic game really kept me um, competitive all these years. That That's definitely number one. And number two, I definitely think it was my mental game. Having good fundamentals And having a strong mental game allowed me to understand what I needed to do, how to do it, and and helped me to understand how my equipment enhanced my game. And that's, that's where it all goes twofold. I think everybody makes so much of the... They break everything down a lot. I think we make the game a lot more complicated at times where I think if you really focus on the one or two things that make you very good at what you do, you then enhance your game with all these other pieces to it. So by me having a good, just a good solid game and enhancing my mental, my mental aspect of the game, I was able to learn about my equipment and lane moves and, and how I needed to throw the ball and what moves I should make when it, It comes with being confident in those other two areas and knowing that you can rely on them to bring you to where you need to be.
2: And where do you you think someone should go or what kind of resources would you direct them to if they were wanting to, you know, improve their mental game? You know, there's so many people that do bowl, competitive people, and their physical game's pretty solid, but, you know, in the moment of adversity... Uh, maybe sometimes either have anxiety or maybe they just have an over uh, uh, overabundance of, you know, anger or frustration, you know, where where would somebody go if they, they, they know that they want to improve their mental game, but they don't really know how to do it?
1: I would definitely seek out a sports psychologist. I mean, obviously we know we have a few in the, the bowling industry. I, I myself work with Dr. Dean Hinnett um, and I still do to this day. So I don't, even before I get on to that answer, I don't think you ever stop learning. Uh, Yeah, I'm in the Hall of Fame, but I still talk to a sports psychologist because the game is different, times have changed, and we don't have a tour anymore. So bowling, you have to be be prepared differently. Um, But I definitely think people don't put enough emphasis on the mental game. I kind of go back to my college days and my early days on tour, you know, It it annoyed me to no end when somebody told me I couldn't do something. It pushed me even harder because don't tell me I can't do it. If I can work hard at it and I'm willing to adapt, I know I can get there. Now, I may not be exceptional at it, but I know I can be successful at it. And there's a big difference. And that comes all with, that's definitely more of the mental aspect of it. But I would definitely seek out a... um, sports psychologist to talk things through. Not only that, you know, reach out to the bowlers that have been there. There are a few collegiate bowlers that have reached out to me and talked to me about what it's like to be on TV and what it's like to win and lose. And, you know, bowlers that have been there and done that, they're they're the greatest mentors you can have. I still to this day Mm -hmm. talk to some of the greatest bowlers in the world, whether they be male or female, just to get their perspective on where are they at now? Are they comfortable with not being as competitive? Where, you know, how do they get that competitive edge back? I'm always talking to somebody to find out how I can enhance that, that vision of where I want to go, but yet what is the reality as to where we are with women's bowling? Because, you know, your perspective has to be a little different. And I know I, I tend to talk a lot, so you may have to cut me off, but I have to just, just tell you this is, this is a great piece of advice. Um, on tour obviously I'm very competitive <laughs> you could see that when I bowl and that's I'm not an understatement good loser. Carolyn. And I'm, yeah and I'm not <laughs> a very good loser but I will tell you this and, and Dell and I talk about this a lot I'll never forget being on tour and you know it was one of those blocks where you could just see who was in the top five it was Ann and Michelle and Cheryl Daniels and anne Dugan and all the girls that hooked it me and they just, they hooked the lane, and, and I'll never forget, I'm in Pittsburgh, and Dell says to me, hey, look, you're you're in seventh, and you just see where this is going. Just try to finish as high as you can. I want you to go out there. I just want you to go the best you can. I just want you to just finish as high as you can, but don't be disappointed because you can see that all the hook players have it. And I looked right at him and I said, so you're telling me that I can't make the show with them? And he said, that's not what I said. I just don't want you to be disappointed. I want you to try your hardest. That night I went in there. I shot something like 200 and something over. I only lost one match. And I made the show with all the hook players. And the Mm. first thing I said when I walked back there was I said, I told you, don't ever tell me I can't do something. (laughs) (laughs) And it was one of the greatest things. It was great because I'm going to tell you why. Because why should you be limited why should any person, no matter how you throw it, be limited on how you can succeed? So that right there shows you yeah, I definitely don't throw it like them, but I took my game and did what I had to do to be successful with people out of the realm of what I could do. So, see, if I could do it, anybody can do it because, you know, with my game it was, it was supposedly impossible, but no, it
0: wasn't. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, last question we have for you, Carolyn, as, um, as I'm, I'm looking through the article, uh, back in uh, February, yourself and Dell were on the cover of the Boulder journal international magazine. Uh, lots yes. of great stuff in that article, but I just want to hit on the Ballard versus the big C, the cancer fundraiser that you guys do and talk about just how near <laughs> and dear that is to your guys' heart.
1: Um, well, in 2010, Dell was diagnosed with tonsil cancer and, uh, as, as anybody you can imagine, you don't ever want to hear that, but your life has just changed forever. And a year after he was um, done with treatment, a, a bunch of our friends got together and we sat at my house and we said, you know what, we can do something here. We need to help people who can't help themselves because Dell had to go through chemotherapy and radiation. And if we did not have the doctors and the health insurance that we had, I mean, he just, Baylor is phenomenal and one of the leaders in cancer treatment. And I said, we need to use bowling to help people because there are people out there, I saw them that didn't have insurance and couldn't get the treatment necessary. Not only that, one of the biggest things Dell needed to to heal was a boost. Um, he, He had a feeding tube. So for two years, he didn't eat solid food. So without the nutritional supplements, he, he wouldn't have been able to build up the strength. So that was definitely one of our, our, our main goals was to make sure people got the help they needed. And our friends turned around and said, Ballard versus the Big C, that's what we're going to do. And sure enough, every September, we're in our third year, so it'll be September 13th, we've raised over $76,000 in the last two years. We have over mm-hmm. 20 sponsors, um, big sponsors for our event, and we're looking to go over $100,000 this year and you know what we help baylor and we help cancer care services and they help people in different ways but all i know is we will continue to do it as long as we can because your life is forever changed when you hear that word it never ends and uh it's just we're lucky dell thank god is four and a half years cancer free um but there are others that aren't as lucky so it's our job to help them because we can
2: Hmm. Well, best, best of luck this fall with that, Carolyn, for sure. That's, that's awesome. And maybe what we could do is have you back on after the event, see how it went, and uh, get a little bit of a, a follow-up and a uh, little preview for uh, college bowling season coming up uh, for 2014-15 season.
1: Oh, I would love it. Absolutely. Anytime. Anything for Steve.